five, four, three, two, one. People of the world, hello and welcome to Marketing as a Foreign Language, episode 96. On today's show, Facebook says it will finally ban anti-vaccination ads. Uh, why Facebook can't fix itself through new, three new ways to engage your professional community virtually on LinkedIn. Uh, content is king, the greatest lie ever told in SEO. And last but not least are press releases still good for SEO? Probably not. Let's get started. All right, Facebook says it will finally ban anti-vaccination ads. Key points, Facebook and Tuesday, Facebook said Tuesday it's launching a new global policy that bans ads that discourage people from getting vaccines. This from CNBC.com. All links to all descriptions, excuse me, all links to all um, articles are in the description. The company previously had a policy against vaccine hoaxes that were publicly identified by global health organizations. Facebook will still allow ads that advocate for or against legalization or legislation of government policies around vaccines, including the COVID-19 vaccine. Facebook said Tuesday it's launching a new global policy that bans ads that discourage people from getting vaccines. The company previously had a policy against vaccine hoaxes that were publicly identified by global health organizations. So um, vaccines obviously are a hot button issue people have. Uh, very strong feelings about them. Um, I think that uh, on a whole, uh, vaccines are very good for society. I think that they have uh, helped us avoid horrible diseases um, and in general had might have made life on this planet much better uh, for many people. Um, that being said, uh, people are allergic to peanuts, man. Do you understand? They're allergic to shrimp. They're allergic to things that for the vast majority of the population are totally uh, not a problem, innocuous, uh, which means that uh, there are vaccine injury uh, lawyers, that sort of thing. Ooh, we got Dr. Serena Goldstein. She says, wow, this is insane. Being in the healthcare field, it's so important for people to make their own decision. But it's like this just actually proves the other side or at least can give credibility as this is in reaction to fear and dogma. Thank you, Dr. Serena for uh, weighing in there. Uh, back to the article, quote, now if an ad explicitly discourages someone from getting a vaccine, we'll reject it. The company's head of health, Kang Xin Jin, and its director of product management, Rob Leithern, said in a blog post on Tuesday, uh, the new ban comes amid a series of policy changes announced by the company to rid its social networks of problematic content. We covered this yesterday. Uh, there was a ban on Holocaust denialism that was announced earlier this week, a prohibition on pages and groups espousing the QAnon conspiracy theories. Um, so I did praise Facebook for their um, maturity in uh, being the adult in the room, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to uh, Holocaust denialism. Um, I think it's uh, absolutely right and fair for Facebook as a private company to decide to um, stop that sort of content. 
Um, now, when it comes to vaccine ads, anti-vax ads, um, there is some gray area. So I think there's a big difference um, between someone saying vaccines don't work, which is obviously uh, not true in the variety of, uh, in the vast majority of cases. Um, but also, you know, there are people, you know, who have had vaccines um, uh, for their kiddos um, and have had some uh, adverse effects, even if it is less than 1% of the population. So here we've got Isaiah Knight, stop forced coronavirus vaccinations. State Health Commissioner Dr. Norman Oliver said he plans to mandate coronavirus vaccinations for Virginians once it is made available to the public. So this is an example of a, of a paid ad um, for the, let's see, raising awareness, you could say, against forced corona vaccinations. Who knows if that's actually uh, the truth, um, if Dr. Norman Oliver is actually saying that in Virginia. One would have to research that, obviously. However, ads that explicitly discourage vaccines, inclu including portraying them as ineffective or unsafe, among other things, will be banned. So ads portraying them as ineffective or unsafe will be banned. Quote, if an ad that advocates for or against legislation or government policies explicitly discourages a vaccine, it will be rejected. Now, it seems uh, it seems that Facebook is definitely moving in this trend of rejecting more ads, which I do want you to take a moment to think about how that affects Facebook's bottom line. I have attempted to boost this particular show. Uh, on a number of occasions and have been stopped because I've been told that it's political. And the moment that transpires, uh, you have to give them your license and a bunch of other things, which I attempted to do um, and haven't heard back quite yet. So it is um, interesting to me that Facebook is essentially saying, no, we don't want the money um, because from a PR perspective, or you could argue from a moral perspective, um, they have uh, decided that this is more important um, so back to the article, however, at least one researcher suggested Facebook's move is a case of too little too late. Quote, I think a lot of vaccine hesitancy researchers know the potential that Facebook has to promote vaccine hesitancy. So when we're talking about the coronavirus vaccine coming out, obviously this is a, a nerve on which many people are stomping nowadays. Um, will we see the end of this pandemic? What role will the vaccine play in, uh, finally being done with this nonsense? Um, what percentage of people worldwide will be willing to take that first round of the vaccine? Now, um, obviously, the people who manufacture vaccines are doing um, exhaustive research, um, at least as much as they can prior to that being um, offered to the community, uh, or one would hope at least. So what are your thoughts? Do you think it's ridiculous or do you think it's amazing that Facebook is banning anti-vaccination ads? Leave your thoughts in the comment or here on the live show. Why Facebook can't fix itself, newyorker.com. When Facebook was founded in 2004, the company had few codified rules about what was allowed on the platform and what was not. Charlotte Wilner joined three years later as one of the company's first employees to moderate content on the site. At the time, she said the written guidelines were about a page long around the office. They're often summarized as if something makes you feel bad in your gut, take it down. <laughs> Oh, how times have changed. Uh, Facebook to me is uh, no longer a teenager. It's, it's like a young adult who is finally grappling with uh, the realities of um, 
of having this level of responsibility. It is so easy when you are younger to say, you know, if something makes you feel bad, man, just take it down. And then all of a sudden you have uh, the livelihoods of thousands of, em thousands of employees. You have massive infrastructure. Um, you have uh, people um, in, with your public stock offering, you know, that are uh, shareholders is the word I'm searching for, uh, that are crabby with you. Um, you just, you know, it's just, it, it's grown beyond your wildest dreams. And now you can't live in this sort of, hey man, if it makes you feel bad, take it down, bro. Um, her husband, Dave, was hired the following year, becoming one of 12 full-time content, ooh, content moderators in the early days. He later became the company's head of content policy. Uh, that's a code for he's rich. The guidelines, he told me, quote, were just a bunch of examples with no one articulating the reason behind them. We delete nudity. Yeah, it's funny to me that we're talking about uh, banning all sorts of things, Holocaust denialism, anti-vax ads. Um, but, you know, everyone can agree <laughs> that nudity is not okay. People aren't allowed to say nice things about Hitler. That, that would uh, be something they would ban. It was a list, not a framework. This is the early days of Facebook. So he wrote a framework. He called it the document. Uh, he called the document the abuse standards. I've uh, heard that Facebook comment uh, moderators, uh, comment moderators, post moderators, uh, have a sort of PTSD on the job um, where at uh, the end of the day, after seeing so much garbage, it really messes with their heads. That's the job I will uh, take a hard pass on. Thank you very much. These days, the implementation standards comprise an ever-changing wiki, roughly 12,000 words long with 24 headings, hate speech, bullying, harassment, and so on. Facebook has been the referee. They've been the teacher. They've been the judge uh, for such a long time um, that I think they're probably just burnt at this point. Uh, Facebook's stated mission is to bring the world closer together. I think that is uh, fine if people are going to behave themselves, which we know that they are not going to do that. Um, it considers itself a neutral platform, not a publisher, so it has resisted censoring its user's speech even when the speech is ugly or unpopular. There was a case out of Australia where the Australian news publishers through the government of Australia wanted to get paid. Um, because uh, Facebook was redistributing their content, I think was the, uh, the general idea. Um, so Facebook, again, trying to consider itself, itself a platform that's neutral, not a publisher. This is an important distinct, distinction for them. But um, at the end of the day, if they allow um, ugly or horrifying things on their, their platform, uh, what are they? Are they a neutral platform? Can they possibly be neutral? Um, in its early years, Facebook weathered periodic waves of bad press. Um, again, I think Zuckerberg is sick of testifying in front of Congress. I think he's over it. Uh, none of this seemed to cause lasting damage to the company's reputation or to its valuation. That is certainly true. Facebook's representatives repeatedly, cl repeatedly claimed that they took the spread of harmful content seriously. But uh, there you go. So obviously, Facebook is maturing. I think they are growing into the uh, correct role in society, which is um, they have to be a moral authority at some point because they are choosing. They are choosing what is bullying and what isn't. Um, so there you go. Three new ways to engage your professional community virtually on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's director of product explains how to do this if you're job hunting, pursuing business leads, seeking career guidance, learning more about an industry, or simply building and maintaining relationships. The world of work has transformed dramatically in the last six months, obviously. So this particular author, Liz Lee, 
recommends uh, sharing your professional story with a personal touch in today's distributed work environment. Sustaining and building professional relationships can be hard. Um, I was the president of my local BNI chapter for the last year, and that has been a really good way of staying in touch. Face-to-face uh, -face meetings, um, virtually, I guess you could say, Zoom meetings. Now you can share those everyday professional moments virtually through photos and short stories with LinkedIn, having them permanently connected to your profile. Um, you can um, uh, stream live on LinkedIn, so let that be known. Uh, Dr. Serena Goldstein with another comment. She writes, that's another good point. Being in the first batch where so many other vaccines took a decade and even uh, now it's no panacea. Yes, um, it's going to be very interesting to see what's going to happen over the next few months with this uh, vaccine um, herd immunity. If, uh, if this does not reinfect folks, um, I want to say there were a couple of stories I read of folks being infected more than once. It is, is it as bad the second time around? Um, have they been infected twice? Are we sure of that? Um, and uh, what will be the adoption rate of this vaccine? And of course, um, after it's gone through um, its rigors, uh, will it be safe? Um, I don't know. Consider sharing an exciting work accomplishment. Show off your new work from home setup or spark a conversation on how to juggle work and family. This is a more lightweight way to share authentically with other professionals to maintain relationships and build new ones. Building better relationships with new ways to message behind every opportunity is a conversation and virtual face-to-face -face interactions continue to play a huge role in our daily lives, whether you're sharing career guidance, networking for job opportunities, or catching up with your former coworker, quick and easy access to online meeting tools. Um, so the news, which we covered earlier, is that uh, Microsoft Teams, BlueJeans, Verizon, or Zoom is going to start working directly within LinkedIn, which could be a game changer for the platform. You can also add reactions such as thumbs up, etc. cetera. Uh, give and get help when it comes to your career. Just one person opening a door can make all the difference. That's why tapping your network and our broader community of millions of members across the globe is such a valuable resource when you're searching for your next opportunity. So LinkedIn groups, that sort of thing. I think um, a lot of people feel spammed by LinkedIn, and I think joining a group is probably a good way to avoid that. If you're direct messaging someone and you don't know who they are, um, obviously LinkedIn can be a little a little seedy, a little spammy, a little lame. SearchEngineJournal.com content is king, the greatest lie ever told in SEO. Is this true? Is this not true? If you want to rank in Google, is content king? Not quite true. In reality, the content is part of a larger puzzle. When we talk about content, I do want to be clear. Uh, this live stream is content. Every word you say on YouTube auto captions, and it uh, is understood by Alphabets. That's the company that owns Google and YouTube's algorithms, which is to say that I'll be talking for approximately 30 minutes. Um, and uh, so every single word I say here uh, counts, uh, almost as if it were blog content. Laneja Kautzman in chat saying LinkedIn is not lame. It's where the cool kids are. Uh, and she would know. She spends every day on LinkedIn uh, as a video game recruiter. Best possible career choice. Um, content's king. All right. In reality, content is only one piece of the puzzle. Without the other pieces, chances are your stunning content will remain invisible. Well, duh. You can't just create great content. You have to share it, obviously. Does content quality really matter? Yes. What? He says no. Does quality content really matter? 
if content is only a piece of the puzzle, is it okay to skip over quality? No, of course it's not. Stupid. This is a dumb article so far. Sorry, article. I think you're dumb. Uh, ever heard of the Dr. Seuss saying, to the world you may be one person, but to one person you may be the world. This is how to win with amazing content. That's true. Um, if you think, think about the number of hours of content being uploaded uh, every day onto YouTube, it's going to become clear to you um, that uh, you are a small grain of sand on a beach. Um, but you do want to be quite important to the folks that do hang out and listen, which is to say, thank you everybody for who is listening. That is listening to me right now. Um, I do genuinely appreciate it. Um, you select a niche, figure out what they crave and create content. They'll jump on the moment you click the publish button. I would argue that uh, blog content is, ooh, I don't know. It's feeling a little 2018, 2019. I think video is definitely uh, where everything is moving. Um, more so live feeds um, and simulcasting. So live feeds on multiple locations or multiple um, social media platforms. So, okay. She worked at Content Hacker. Let's learn about that. She says, I started Content Hacker as a way to give practical content marketing advice to freelance entrepreneurs. And now I didn't invest in sleazy marketing funnel tactics. Good for her. I've never even paid for a single ad. All I rely on is stellar content that fits in the sweet spot between my expertise and what my audience craves. Is that a Venn diagram of expertise and what your audience craves? As a result, she pulls in around 10 G's a month on the side. Ooh, okay. Good for her. With crave-worthy content that goes the distance, enriching your audience's life, you'll go far. Three ways to boost your content traffic all right fine what is it earn quality links from your cornerstone pages uh so let's say you're ranking for a few keywords but you haven't reached page one she recommends guest posting for a prominent site this is the point uh, that i think you really should walk away from this article with if you're going to guest post uh it really does have to be a legitimate site that's in like your neighborhood of uh, relevancy which is to say uh there are sites where you can go that will allow you to guest post and they almost always get banned. There was a website called my blog guest back in the day where people who are willing to have other people write content on their platform and the writers of said content came together and what would have had appeared a harmonious relationship of, I will write you content, give me a link. Thank you for the free content. I will post your content. Um, and Google said, Nope, we ban you. And the reason they uh, shut down the relevancy or the, the points that you would earn from those links is because Google is in the business of selling links. They make billions of dollars selling links. They're called Google ads. And so they don't want you competing. Uh, guest posting for a prominent site and linking back to your page only works if say, you know, like Mr. Money Mustache. I don't know if you've heard of this dude. He uh, retired when he was 30-ish. Um, and if he were to go do a guest blog post for some other, you know, financial freedom, retire early kind of blog, then yeah, that's actually a, a guest post because there's a community. So community first, guest blog second. This is the order of operations. Share your post with influencers. Yeah, good luck. I mean, if you've already made it and you've got good traffic and you know they come by your Instagram profile and they see you've got 15,000 followers, then yeah, you might have something uh, to play with here. But if you're a local plumber, no, it's not gonna work. Uh, link to influencers content, sure, I guess. Um, they might link back to your page, but again, uh, chicken or what is it? Uh, the horse or the carriage, which comes first, you have to get the audience first. So what are you going to do to get the audience? I mean, it's pretty much a show. I mean, you can create blog content, hope and pray 
But uh, think about it. The, uh, the internet in 2020 is so incredibly saturated uh, that trying to rank in Google for a new project that isn't a niche without video is incredibly hard. I talked to someone the other day who wanted to create a uh, bariatric surgery or like a, um, like a weight loss surgery uh, community blog. And because there are actually Facebook groups, I thought to myself, you might actually have a shot if you're willing to do a show and have people come on and talk about uh, the various surgeries they had for weight loss and share the ups and downs and that sort of thing. It's kind of cool, kind of a good idea. It's going to be a ton of work and there is competition, obviously. It's incredibly hard to find something in 2020 that hasn't already been fought for um, for years now already. Keep your content up to date. Duh. We get it. Get Google to index your site. All right. Sort of interesting, sort of not. Are press releases still good for SEO? The likelihood that you're doing something worthy of a press release is pretty small. A lot of people try to create a press release because they think it's going to have some massive effect or it's something that you should do. Um, it's not something you should do unless you actually have something that a news organization might actually be interested in. Um, my sister has a cosmetic company and she donates um, she donates to donates wigs to kids who've lost their hair due to cancer that might actually be a good press release. You understand? Like we've donated a thousand wigs. Like, yeah, we finally hit the thousand wig mark. Yay. That's, that's a press release. Um, local plumber decides, you know, to run a promotion is not a press release. So press releases can benefit your brand and SEO. Okay. Right. Whatever. What is a press release? Seriously. Um, oh my gosh, this is so bad. This article is terrible. Are press releases still relevant today? The short answer, yes. <laughs> In fact, there's a ton of successful press release examples. Sure. Inform people of a big event your company is hosting. Look, if you're running a press release um, and you aren't actually really stoked about something, it's, again, a horse carriage problem. Um, do something inspiring, number one. Number two, write press release. It's really that simple. Anything other than that is just kind of garbage. It's spam. And it's just... I don't know. It just kind of bugs me, to be honest with you. So Facebook says it will finally ban anti-vaccination ads. Um, so again, uh, are vaccinations a game changer for humanity? Yeah, they certainly are. Um, have they made a lot of people much more safe than we used to be? Yes. Am I, by and large, pro-vaccine? Yes. Um, are some people allergic to them? Yes. Um, and uh, so they're not perfect. Um, and so I think that's where this becomes tricky. Um, so if the language of the ad is saying like, ah, vaccines are terrible for you all the time, always, well, then obviously that's not true. So like anything in this amazing world we live in, this complex and nuanced world, there is nuance to this. Um, there are anti, uh, there are vaccine um, injury attorneys out there. Um, and uh, they are not, they're not perfect. Uh, in the same way that I mentioned before, some people are allergic to shrimp. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and peanuts and all of this sort of stuff. And so, you know, it's, there's a lot of us out here and we're all very different. People react differently. Um, so that being said, um, I am, I am pro vaccine, uh, but with intelligence, with understanding nuance. So why Facebook can't fix itself? I would argue it can't fix itself because it's growing into an adult, right? I think Facebook needs therapy, honestly. Uh, Facebook needs to kind of like go up to the mountain and reflect on, on who it wants to be because ultimately um, it's become the hub for a lot of our memories, um, a lot of our photos, our videos. Like it's always going to stay there. Um, it's got this kind of like 
fossilized uh, piece of our culture. Um, and so that's great. And I, you know, people often um, talk um, negatively about Facebook. And I, I am one of the first people to defend Facebook um, because they have offered an incredible service over many years. Now, stop hate for profit and all of the things um, that people are criticizing Facebook about are to me uh, an extension of um, just how big they are. They do delete ridiculous amounts of content. And I mean, I'm, they aren't perfect. And you can show me 10 examples of horrible content that Facebook has let slide that I would agree with you 100% um, should have been stopped. So at the end of the day, Facebook's getting older. They're maturing. Um, I do believe that they are going to be around uh, five to 10 years from now. Um, and uh, hopefully will have evolved into a more mature version. Uh, Lanasia writes, Facebook needs nature. Facebook needs to go smell the pine needles and just take a minute and go, you know what, we're actually going to take a stance on some things, and a lot of people aren't going to like it. Um, but if they don't like it, there are plenty of options out there. Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, obviously, Facebook owns Instagram, and they're going to get beat up by the government. The government is going to attack these monopolies, or as they're sometimes called, duopolies. Like you've got uh, YouTube, Google under Alphabet, or Facebook, Instagram. Um, they're in for a fight. They really are. Um, uh, but I do have faith that, uh, that they will get it right eventually. Um, engaging in your professional community on LinkedIn is kind of one of the, not the only options, but one of the good options during the pandemic to get out there. Um, you know, spending 15, 20 minutes um, actually joining communities on LinkedIn is probably not a bad idea. And now that you can actually do Zoom calls, or I believe you can, um, on LinkedIn, uh, that kind of opens up a whole new world, like Aladdin. And Jasmine on the uh, flying magic carpet. Just saying. And, uh, okay, content is king, the greatest lie ever told in SEO. No, I wouldn't say it's the greatest lie ever told. Do you need backlinks? Of course you do. Does your content need to be incredibly good and you need to share it everywhere? And should you have a podcast? And should you have a show? Yes. Yes to all these things. But sometimes people just don't have the time. And so they just run Google Ads and, or pay an agency to do as much of this as you can for a reasonable, reasonable amount of money. Not that I would know anything about that. And last but not least, our press release is still good for SEO. Not really. Not unless you're actually doing something worthy of a press release. Ladies and gentlemen, shout outs to Dr. Serena Goldstein for swinging my chat today in Lanasia. Much appreciated. Uh, loving the comments. You know me. Um, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's when the show is every single day. Striming. Striming live on LinkedIn, Facebook. If you want to subscribe to us, all you got to do is Remember the name of the show. Marketing is a foreign language. Type that into YouTube and voila. There you are. Much appreciated. We'll see you all for the next episode tomorrow. Same time, same place.